Thanks for downloading this message from Devoted 2015, a Christ Central festival for all the family. Christ Central is part of New Frontiers, and our distinctives are made up of four priorities. Being friends, enjoying God together, building churches empowered by word and spirit, advancing the kingdom, transforming the world, and reaching nations, making disciples. Devoted is just one event, but you can find out more about Christ Central and other training opportunities at ChristCentralChurches.org. For more about Devoted, please visit DevotedEvent.org. Thanks for listening. See you next year. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Social Engagement Zone. Welcome to those who are just coming in now. Uh, My name is Martin Charlesworth. Most of you know who I am. Um, And I'm hosting this zone. I'm not speaking, but hosting, uh, which is a great privilege. Some of you were here yesterday. Welcome back. Some of you joined us today for the first time. We've got an hour and a quarter. We have to end promptly at 12.30 for the sake of children and youth work. So we're going to make the best use of um, our time. Um, we've, had, we've had a great session yesterday on church, church um, social action in the local church, uh, and we're moving to um, a social justice issue, human trafficking, and just introduce that in a moment. Um, just a couple of practical things. Um, if we have, there's a little white um, uh, board over there, and if a name appears on that board, that means it's a teenager or child in distress and the parents have to run for it. Okay, so if you're a parent, keep an eye on that. Um, and also to say, we had speaking yesterday uh, Lily uh, Mawilla from Zambia talking to us about uh, projects that they're doing uh, in their city in northern Zambia. Uh, Lily is over there in the corner. Would you like to give us a wave, Lily? And she's got her uh, uh, street children uh, project uh, details there. She'd love to talk to you at the end. So we're hosted today by Jubilee Plus, which is a national initiative set up by New Frontiers about five years ago to increase our capacity in our churches in social action, social enterprise, and social justice. We run national conferences. You've got a flyer for our next national conference on your chair, literature uh, on our desk over there, and we are responsible for the book advertised last night, The Myth of the Undeserving Poor, selling at £7 in the book shop, which I co-authored with one of my colleagues, Natalie Williams. We'll tell you a bit more about that at the end. But we're going to turn very quickly to our theme for today. And let me explain how we're going to run it. I'm going to introduce our speaker from Hope for Justice in a moment. who will give us the initial presentation. Then we're going to have some Q&A. Um, and we're going to try and tease out some of the themes of this fantastically important area of, of social justice around the world. Uh, and then uh, we're going to conclude with just some what next type of things if you want to get more involved. So three parts to our morning and uh, one speaker whose name is Gareth Russell. He's come from Milton Keynes. He works for Hope for Justice. We're based in Manchester. Uh, it's been a great privilege to welcome Gareth on site just a few moments ago. Thanks for coming up, Gareth. He's just come for the day. He's also a vineyard pastor. He tells me he knows New Frontiers well. Um, so I think he knows the culture and the environment. Should we give a really warm welcome to Gareth and hand over straight to him? Welcome, Gareth. Thank you. Thanks, Martin. Well, good morning. Already you're more uh, engaged than my flock. Um, 
It's a, it is a real privilege to be here this morning, and I know that every speaker who speaks on stages, particularly visiting speakers, says that. Um, but genuinely, it is a real privilege for me to be here today. Do you know why? I was just sitting there, and I, and I hope you don't mind me starting like this, it's a bit off script, but I was just sitting there, and I was, I was just thinking about New Frontiers as a movement, and I felt God put in my heart that the harvest is ready. That for New Frontiers, and maybe the UK church, but for New Frontiers, you've been readying the harvest. You've been putting some things in place. You've been putting the spheres in place. You've been putting foundations in place. But that now the harvest is ready. And now you need to get your hands dirty. And now you need to see what God has in store for you. I have no idea why that's making that noise, but... Is that God? I have no idea. Either way, things are pretty exciting so far, right? <laughs> Got off on a good start. Uh, as Martin said, I'm, I'm based in Milton Keynes. Hope for Justice are based in Manchester. Um, I, I lead the, the Vineyard Church there as well. I wear two hats. Um, but one of my good friends in Milton Keynes is Richard Whiteman, who leads the, uh, the New Life Church in Milton Keynes. And uh, also, I think is I think he's kind of... He helps Dave Devonish with the, the catalyst. Uh, do I need to move this, or are we okay? Um, Dave Devonish with the catalyst sphere, and uh, <laughs> let's just ignore it, right? We'll just ignore it, more Lord. Um, and uh, we, we, we. I, I, I truly believe that when the church works together, we can see an end to things like human trafficking. So today, I'm, I'm going to share some stories, uh, and some of the stories are are tragic. Some of the stories are really difficult to hear. Some of the stories are brutal. Um, But what I want you to remember is there is hope. The God that we love, the God that we serve, the God that we worship is the same God who defeated Goliath, and the trafficking is just another Goliath. Trafficking is not bigger than our God. There is no trafficker, there's no amount of money, there's no amount of power that is bigger than Yahweh. Does anyone agree with me? Good. I like a wee bit of interaction, just FYI. But before I start, I'm going to pray and we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit. God, I want to thank you that you use people like us to do your work. God, we're so broken. We're so unworthy. But Jesus, by your blood and by your resurrection, we are made holy and we are made pure, but we're also made for a purpose. And this morning, God, I pray for these people in this room, God, that there's nothing like a mistake when it comes to you. They're here for a reason, and it might be to support Hope for Justice. It might be to be part of what we're doing, but it might be just to plant a seed for something else. And God, this morning, I pray that your seeds would be planted and that kingdom change can be affected because of today's gathering and because of this conference. Lord, we pray a blessing on New Frontiers as a movement. We pray a blessing on the leaders. We pray your protection over their marriages. And we, Lord, just pray that you fill 
them with your Holy Spirit and fill us now as we meet together. Amen. Well, this, this is a privilege. Thank you for, for coming. I, you know, whenever I speak on stage, I don't ever really expect anyone to turn up. So it's just great to, to have you here. I know you've not necessarily turned up to, for me, but um, we, we're here because we believe that we can see an end to human trafficking. At Hope for Justice, we say that we want to see an end to human trafficking in the UK in our lifetime. That's not a marketing slogan. That's an organizational objective based on the God that we serve. We, I, I have bought a bottle of champagne that I, I don't know what your theology is in alcohol, but anyway, I bought a bottle of champagne. Um, I, if, you, if you don't like alcohol, I won't drink it. If you do, I'll drink it in a winner. But I bought a bottle of champagne that I will crack open the day we can say we have ended human trafficking in the UK. Because there's no point in saying these big statements unless you've got something to follow through with, right? And so today, what I'm going to talk about is, A, what the situation is here in the UK, but then I'm also going to talk about how we're going to end this. We've got some very practical things we're going to do, and we will see an end to human trafficking. In Psalm 72, uh, in, in the church that I, I preach in, uh, we have people who interpret for the deaf. And, and when I said Sam the first time in our church, they interpreted for First Samuel. You're northern, right? Most of you. So would you all say Sam? No. Psalms, I'm flipping it. <laughs> all right. I'm always in the minority, but that's what God put me there to test me into perseverance and character and all that good stuff. All right. Anyway, in Psalm, Psalm 72, it says, He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. What we are praying for today, what we are hoping for today, what we believe will happen is the heart of God, the heart for the weak, the heart for the needy, the heart for the oppressed, to be our heart. For us to share that same heart, for precious is their blood in his sight. I'm going to show you a video and then we're going to talk about what the situation is like in the UK. Magdalene and each of her children were kept under lock and key. She was delivered every day to a factory where she worked gruelling 12-hour shifts. Every penny of her wages was paid into the account of her trafficker. Despite going without food herself, she still couldn't nourish her children with the meagre amount she was given. Her children were forced to stand around the table and watch as the traffickers ate. They were left only the scraps to eat themselves. Her baby was drastically underweight, and while she kept a brave face for the sake of her family, the bright future she imagined was slipping further away with each punishing day. When our team arrived at the scene, when I arrived at the scene, I could smell the, the poverty, I could smell the desperation, I could smell the exploitation. I can't tell you, I can't describe what it feels like to see children in the manner of which we found them. We provided the basic needs, the nappies, the clothing, the food, 
and we made it possible for them to have aftercare here in the UK. A few weeks later, our team went back to see them, and uh, they were describing to me about the moment where they saw the children, the, the baby, the baby that was so malnourished but now had big chubby cheeks. They described the children and the, the, the fact that they were playing and dancing again. They described the mother who had hope and dignity. Together we can turn desperation into hope. We can turn slavery into freedom. We can help men, women and children sold within our borders, exploited. We can give them the freedom back. For just five pounds a month, we can help people. We can help people. How awesome is that? That we can use our freedom to free others. For just five pounds a month, would you help Hope for Justice to free more people? Thank you. All of the stories I'm going to share today are stories from the UK. This is not a, just an Eastern European problem. This is not just a, a Far East problem. This is a problem in our doorsteps. And I don't know about you, but when I first realized that, I thought, not on my watch. We have a job to do in our communities. And there's people like Magdalena living in slavery in our communities right now. 200 years after the abolition of the slave trade, human trafficking is alive and well. It's a high-profit, low-risk business. There's women and there's girls who are lured into sexual exploitation. They're forced to service men for the profit of their traffickers. They're controlled by violence, they're controlled by drugs, they're controlled by fear. And they're manipulated into believing that there's nothing else for them. And then there's men. Men who just wanted to provide for their families. Men who, who may have left their home country and come over to our country to earn a living so that they could see their kids have a decent education. They could provide for their wives and they come over here and the jobs don't exist. They're in an unfamiliar country. Their, their passports have been taken from them. Their wages are also taken from them and threats are made against their families back home. Stories of retribution from other victims and runaways are passed around and the situa this situation just paralyzes these people both physically and mentally. And every day these men and women are wasting away from a lack of food and constant abuse. And they're one wrong word away from a beating. Think about this fact for a minute. 1.2 million children are trafficked 
around the world every year. Every year. I don't know about you, but if that was my son, if that was my daughter, I would do something about it. And you know, that's exactly the thought that birthed hope for justice. It's always someone's son. It's always someone's daughter. We're now about seven years old as an organization. Quite young, really. But we rescue victims of human trafficking. We transition them through safe accommodation and we advocate on their behalf for housing and whatever benefits they're due. Last year, we managed to get someone's wages back from three years that they hadn't been paid. We won £42,000 for them. Hope for justice. Believe that we can end human trafficking. The amazing stuff, I mean, I'm not just going to like build us up, but I'm going to build us up a little bit because I'm really passionate about this and I love that we're seeing results. Last year, we probably rescued about 30 to 40 victims of human trafficking. This year, it looks like we'll rescue 300. Last year, we trained about 700 frontline agencies, whether they be police, whether they be NHS, whether they be uh, non-government organizations, NGOs, whether they be homeless charities. About 700 last year. So far, we've trained 3,500 this year. God is on the move. God is on the move. This is not about, I don't care if you support Hope for Justice. I do care if you do something. Don't walk away from this room today. I know I've not even done the talk yet. But why should I? Why should we have to do a presentation from the front when God has been saying to us all along in our heart, do something? The answer is never just sit there and wait. Well, I suppose there's... Anyway, not for too long. And this might be theologically incorrect and maybe you'll be offended by this. But don't pray too long about it. Don't let prayer be an excuse for inaction. Definitely pray. But I've met people who have been praying for years and years and years about what they should do and they should just get off their backsides and do something. Sorry, I'm definitely going off script now. There's nothing about backsides in here. (laughs) So what's happening in the UK? In 2013, there was around 2,744 potential victims of human trafficking. Now, what you need to understand is that human trafficking, modern-day slavery, is a hidden crime. So these are the official people who were put into what is called the National Referral Mechanism. But people from the police and even from the government have suggested that there may be anything up to 50,000 people in the UK being trafficked at any given time. But that number of 2,744 was a 22% increase from the previous year. About 40% of the victims were trafficked for sexual exploitation and about a third for forced labor. Almost a quarter of victims were children. And those children most commonly suffered sexual exploitation. Now, 
just to get a bit technical with you, it's slightly different when someone's, an adult is rescued from human trafficking when a child is rescued from human trafficking. When an adult is rescued from human trafficking, they're given statutory aftercare. When a child is rescued from human trafficking, they, go in, they don't go into that aftercare program, but they're just put into standard local authority care, despite the complexity of their situation. Now, all of these statistics are quite overwhelming, but this is the one that always gets me. Is that an estimated 60% of these children go missing from care. 60%. And almost two-thirds are never found. Not on my watch. We've got a serious fight in our hands. But he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And those kids don't need to go missing. Those kids need to know their father God. They need to know his love. We need to be fighting for them. You might be asking yourself, what do all these statistics mean? Well, think to yourself, what were you doing five years ago? Maybe you were not in the job you're in now. Maybe you're in a different house. Maybe you didn't yet have kids. Five years is a long time. And it was for William, who was one of the guys we rescued. Five years was about as long as he was locked in a cycle of exploitation. He was moved from city to city across our country, very probably somewhere near you. Over a year ago, he met Samuel and together they tried to survive. They were constantly on the run from William's trafficker and they were unable to afford transport out of the area. So they just lived in constant fear of being found. And eventually, William's trafficker caught up with them. And they were locked in properties to work all day. At one point, they were made to sleep in a freezing floor in the trafficker's basement. And it was only when he fell ill that he managed to be put into a hospital and they managed to find an escape. But whilst he was being trafficked, they were made to dig holes. And this was in the north-west of England. They were made to dig holes, but they weren't given any tools. So they had to dig these holes with their hands. And the winter came in, and the frost came in, and they had to keep digging. And the conditions were so tough, so hard, that they, they actually broke their fingers as they were digging. And the traffickers wouldn't take them to a hospital, so their, their fingers just grew back and all gnarled. Not on my watch. This is not good enough. This is happening in our country. And whether you're a patriot, a nationalist, or not, you're here. And you're here for a purpose. And my 
passion is that in my country, and I do include England in that, that that sort of thing does not happen. So we're working tirelessly to make sure that it doesn't. We have a compassionate God. We have a just God. And we have an act of God. So you might be asking, well, how are we going to do it? How are we actually going to end human trafficking? Well, here's what we're going to do. Or here's what we're doing, I should say. First of all, rescue. Justice and rescue. Would anyone agree with me that justice and rescue are pretty, clear, pretty core to who God is? God says, defend, sorry, the, the psalmist says, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Our specialist investigators, they tend to be former police officers who have had years of experience, some of them managing thousands of, of staff. They work proactively to identify victims and to transfer them into safe houses. We work really closely with the Salvation Army who have one of the government contract for aftercare. Isn't it amazing that the church is rescuing them and then the church is helping bring them to restoration? The bride of Christ. We have regional hubs, investigative hubs. One is in the northeast of England. Not, yeah, not northeast of, I'm not allowed to say where they are. One in the northeast of England, one in the Midlands. And we work closely with the police. We gather intelligence. And it's intelligence that simply would not have seen the light of day otherwise. The reason being that many of the victims don't trust the police. This is why we, we are needed as the church. Often when particularly women are being trafficked for sexual exploitation, the trafficker, they're, they're sometimes will be from an Eastern European country or another country where they may not already, they may have a distrust already for their local police. So the first thing that the the trafficker does is, is dress as a police officer and raper, instantly breaking the trust of the victim in the local British police. So even if they were to come to the door and knock on the door and say, we're here to rescue you, they probably wouldn't go with them. They need the church. In Proverbs... It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. The problem, I think, this is my personal opinion, and I'm actually preaching this tomorrow, is that we've become so focused on defending our own agenda that we've forgotten to defend others. We've forgotten to to defend the poor and the needy the weak and the marginalized. Society has become so me-focused. We have selfie sticks that, that put us in the picture all the time. But if Jesus came to say anything, he came to say, it's not about you. 
We're here for them. We're here for them. So from a neutral position, we're able to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. We have a legal team who build up legal cases against the trafficker, who work with the victim to make sure that we have a a credible story. And it was amazing, last year we saw two guys put behind bars. Now, one of them was put behind bars for three years and one for six years. Now, you might think, that's nothing. And you're right, it is nothing, but it's something because we had nothing before that. So what we choose to do is to celebrate the wins. Those guys are now behind bars. And now with the, the modern day slavery bill, we have even more opportunity. People can be put behind for life. God is on the move. Even in government. <laughs> I don't know if you're a Tory or if you're Labour. Probably most of you are SMP. But <laughs> God is on the move. And even when people don't know it, he's on the move. He's a just God and justice has been done. Since opening Emma's Hub, so, uh, sorry, before I go into that, we've rescued victims of of all um, different nationalities and and, and actually the first victim we rescued was was a, a white English girl who lived a mile away from Ben who you saw in the video from his house. We've rescued victims as young as three months old. And as old as 59. We've rescued families. And the hubs, these investigative hubs that we have, we're hoping to have more, by the way, but we've got two at the minute. We, we na- we've named them after some of the victims that we've rescued. So the one in the northeast is called Emma's Hub. And since opening Emma's Hub in February 2013, we've actually doubled the number of rescues in that area. Not for hope for justice, just in general. Now, a hub costs £250,000 a year. It's quite a lot of money, right? But then if you ask the police, they say, well, why is it not costing seven or eight million? So if anyone's here today and has an extra 250,000, I'd love to speak with you after. I will give you my personal mobile phone. (laughs) You can have my car. It's not great, but it gets you from A to B. So we're involved in rescue, but we're also involved in advocacy. You see, we're in this to end this. And that means we have to hold these perpetrators to account. And until the modern day slavery bill, human trafficking was a low risk, high profit crime. But more and more, as as, as legislation is put in place and as, as people are trained, we're turning that around to be a high risk, low profit crime. But as I've said before, we help them with the criminal and the civil legal proceedings. And we try to help out with all the practicalities that makes it possible for the victims to be witnesses. But there's no point in rescuing someone unless you're in the process of restoring them. Jesus came so that we would not just be rescued, but we would be restored. And so restoration 
takes these victims from just surviving to thriving in life. And that's why we have a care team that works closely with these rescued victims to support them as they leave the government-funded safe houses. Now, if you are an adult and you get rescued from human trafficking, you get a statutory 45 days aftercare. It's a good start. But when you hear some of the stuff that people have gone through that we've rescued, 45 days is really nothing. So it's important that we then go on a journey with them beyond that so that they can get on with their life. They can be restored. And it's been amazing that even some of these victims have met Jesus. And been baptized. Finally, we we were involved in training. And I mentioned that earlier. But we are committed to improving the knowledge among frontline professionals. Now, you might be surprised that that police or, or NHS, some of you may be in the police or in the NHS or working for homeless charities. But the training at the moment is not really there. There's some. But when we've trained police forces, It's been new information for them. But the amazing thing is that when we've trained them, we've then seen more reports of potential victims of human trafficking, and we've seen more rescues. This is how we're going to end it. By me standing on a stage and telling you that this exists is part of it. But then us standing in front of police forces, in front of government, in front of police and crime commissioners, in front of NHS, in front of NGOs. That's how we're going to end it, by people knowing what's happening and how to report it. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a moment just now to share a story. And I'm I'm actually going to read this word for word because it's not my story. It was the story of how Ben Cooley, who was on the screen, our CEO, how when he met the first girl that we ever rescued. And this is what he says. He says, there's so many details I remember from that day. The hotel lobby looked so plain, so every day it was the setting for a thousand meetings. I'm sure we've all been in places like that. But this meeting was different. I was about to meet the first girl we rescued. From sexual exploitation. I wait quietly trying to clear my mind. But find I'm always shuffling in my seat. I'm checking my phone constantly. Waiting for the call. My small team had briefed me. She was, she was 19 years old. And she's spent the last five years trafficked throughout Europe's sex industry. She was 14 when she began this journey. She was actually sold by her mother. She was raped for profit. She had been forced to work in brothels where men had had three or five minutes of her time. She kept a diary before she got trafficked. 
And during her experience of being trafficked, she continued to write that diary. But in the diary, she wrote the number of men each day that she had to service. And one day she wrote the number 117. My phone startles me from my thoughts. Our investigators have collected her safely and they're on their way at last. I had thought that my role was simple enough, but as the moments tick closer, it seems an impossible ask. Help this girl believe that there's hope where for so long there seemed none. To tell her that her nightmare had ended and that she could begin again. All my preparation for this moment suddenly seems terrifyingly inadequate. As I flash on how empty my words might sound to a girl betrayed. She's been raped, she's been degraded, she's been humiliated. What, what could I possibly say to restore her faith in humanity? Time's up. I have to swallow this self-doubt because I've just recognized my team member entering the lobby. The girl stays at arm's length as she crosses the room. She's wearing a a dark tracksuit over her working attire. Only a few hours ago, men were wrestling those same clothes from her fragile body. I've never seen a person so afraid. Like terror inhabits every movement that she makes. She's gently directed to the seat across from me. She she curls her up in the seat, tucking her legs under the chair and wrapping her arms tightly around her chest. She's shaking. Her eyes are darting about. And I have to stop myself from wondering what those eyes might have seen. We each order a drink and we sit in silence until the waitress walks away. And then quietly I introduce myself trying desperately to look reassuring. But she says nothing. I start talking about what the options are for her now, describing the aftercare that's available and the people that can help. But nothing is reaching her. She just stares back at me. Her knuckles are white from clenching her drink so tightly, I think she's going to shatter the glass. I'm still searching for the right words, words that will truly let her know that she's safe. I close my eyes and I offer a quick prayer. And I start talking. We want to put you in a place where you can have your freedom back. She lifts her head at this point and she looks at me clearly in the face. With lifeless eyes, she utters three words that breaks my heart. I won't cry about this. More words come tumbling out. I'll never cry about this. You don't know what it feels like to be abused so badly that you can't even walk. To be abused over and over. Beaten and raped for years and years. I'll never cry about this. Every day and night I was forced to sleep with fat, old, sweaty men dribbling and drooling over me, some of them videoing it and posting it on the internet so that their friends could see it. I have no one in my life is there for me, Ben. Do you know how that feels? I try to remember to breathe. 
I'm not trying to make you cry. I just want you to know that there is hope. And it seemed like nothing could break her. And at that moment, the words of Jeremiah came into Ben's head. And he said, she was called Sarah. Do you know Sarah? There's a hope and a future for you. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. At that point, her head sunk down. Her shoulders started to shake. And she started to cry. The minutes slid by as she sobs. And it's as if the tears of a thousand abuses are leaving her. And she says, you can call me Emma. No one's called me Emma since this whole thing began. To be honest, I know that these are emotive stories. I know that they can tug on the heartstrings. But let me be really blunt with you. These people don't need your tears. They need our action. They need us to do something. And you know, as a church leader, I get loads of different organizations who have all amazing missions, amazing visions, and a lot of them ask for prayer. And I think in my mind, I've almost devalued that. But some of the places we're going into are some of the darkest places in this country. There is a real, tangible, spiritual battle going on. And if we don't pray, we won't see an end to human trafficking. That old song, every prayer a powerful weapon, strongholds come tumbling down and down and down. They will come down if we pray. Not everyone can be an investigator. Not everyone can go and physically rescue these victims from human trafficking. But what can you do? What is in your hand? If you sow, then sow for justice. If you speak, then speak for justice. If you play tiddlywinks, then play tiddlywinks for justice. Just do something for justice. You know, when you hear the number of people who are trapped in exploitation, and the number of the stories of individuals suffering, it's hard not just to be stunned and overwhelmed by all this. But they need us to stand with them. They need us to use what God has given us to change their situations and to change their lives. And we'll do it one by one if that's what it takes. I am so proud that as a movement, we are funded by the church. And I'm so proud that it's not just one stream of the church. It's my utter privilege to be able to go into Brethren churches, into Methodist churches, URC, 
Baptist, New Frontiers, Vineyard, Pentecostal, Catholic. The church united is a beautiful thing. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, used to say, the church is the bride of Christ and it's going to be a big old bride. We are. You know, if we truly believe that the the same power that conquered the grave lives in us, then we're unstoppable. The angel said to Mary, when Mary was saying, listen, I'm I'm a teenager, I'm, I'm pregnant, I've never had sex. You know, how can I be pregnant? The angel said, nothing is impossible for God. The only thing limiting us is us. Maybe take that for yourself. Even if you don't do anything about human trafficking. Let's stop limiting ourselves and let's start living in who we actually are in Christ. I know that we have tough lives. I know that there's stuff going on all the time. I know that, that some of you have had far more difficult backgrounds than I have. But Jesus is the same Jesus. And in Christ, you are unstoppable. In Christ, we're going to see the end of human trafficking. Maybe your journey could start today. There's so many ordinary people who have just given a little bit of time, a little bit of money, a little bit of prayer to us as a movement. You know, when, when we started, Ben, who's, he was, at the time he was 26 years old, he went to an event like this and he heard about human trafficking for the first time. And so he did. It, was, it really shook him. It really spoke to his heart. And so he did what any other 26-year-old Christian would do. He booked the NEC arena and said the church needs to hear about this. When he called the NEC Arena, they, they said, um, it's in Birmingham, they said, he said, I'd like to book the arena, please. He said, oh, great, where, where are you from? He said, well, originally I'm from the northeast of England, I'm now living in... He said, no, 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 what, what organization are you from? He said, oh, I need an organization. He got 6,000 people, just shy of 6,000 people to the NEC Arena. And that birthed hope for justice. That's kind of in our DNA, is that when we hear something, we're going to do something about it. And I know it's in your DNA too. Together we can see an end to this. You know, it's not going to be an easy journey, this. It's going to be hard work. But these traffickers are getting up at 4 a.m. to drop broken men off at factories for 20-hour 20 sh- 20 shifts day in, day out. Pimps are standing in the street corners all night to send men upstairs to rape girls for profit. These people are not staying home and watching TV. They're not, they're not staying home and resting on their laurels. They are relentless. And our passion for this must be just as relentless as theirs, if not more so. You know, when we've deployed investigators to the two hubs, Emma's, Emma's hub and then the second one is Zoe's hub, They've doubled the number of rescues made by us. 
But let's do it again. Let's double it again. Because those numbers are not that big. And we can see an end to this. In Isaiah it says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and every joy will be yours. That's the kind of inheritance I want. I want a double portion. Because I'm greedy for what God has for me. We are passionate about identifying, rescuing, and restoring precious lives. We want to create a rescue network, a network of programs delivered to every corner of our country that will leave perpetrators nowhere to hide and find every victim of human trafficking who sat in silence today. We believe that God is a restorer. We believe that he is a rescuer. And we believe that freedom is worth the fight. That justice is non-negotiable. And we refuse to abandon the least, the last, and the lost. I have no shame in asking you for money now. Because it's not for me. It's for them. If you feel bad, if you feel that I shouldn't do it, then just shut off now and don't listen to what I'm going to say. But on your seats, there is a, a blue flyer and there is a postcard. This over here, you might not have, you might have to get one from over here because we kind of ran out after a while. On this postcard size thing, postcard, if you just want to join the mailing list or you want to join the prayer list, or you'd like more information about some of our groups. So we have 120 abolition groups across the country. Those groups tend to meet in churches. They're a bit like a small group. They meet every four to six weeks. And we give them resources every month so that they can pray together, they can campaign together, they can fundraise together, and they can be a part of this movement. If you want to have more information about one of them, either if there's one near you or if you want to set one up, then if you tick that box at the bottom, if you, if, you are, if you are a part of a church, could you just put your hand up? Great. I'd love your church to be a church partner. What does a church partner mean? It means that we send, when we're going on a, a rescue, we send our church partners an update to say, listen, we're going out tonight. This is just starting, by the way, this, this prayer thing. I'm really excited about it. We're going out tonight. Could you pray with us? Get your prayer warriors involved. It means that they give financially. It means that they get two free tickets to Hope Conference. Bonus. And it means that churches can be part of the movement. If you'd like a book of speaker for your church, you can also fill it in there. If you want to give to us financially, and listen, we don't say give us X amount. We know that everyone's in different boats when it comes to finance. But if you want to fill in this blue form, both forms, if you, if you fill them in today, you give them back to me today because I'm, I'm, as a, I need to be uh, on the motorway, unfortunately, again after I leave. So please do catch me at the end. Please don't walk away without giving me them. But listen, I, I want to reiterate. If today's talk does nothing else than to help you act in some way, 
Maybe human trafficking is not the social justice thing you're really most passionate about. Maybe it is. Maybe it is now. But whatever it is, let's be an active church. Let's be a church who have left the building. Let's be a church who are walking in the knowledge that we have this power that conquered the grave living in us. Let's be a church that knows that he that is for us. I've completely forgotten that verse. Oh yeah, great. That stopped my flow a little there, didn't it? Anyway, God knows what I meant. It's been a real pleasure to be here today. I'm, I'm always so encouraged when I see so many people turning up to talk about human trafficking. We will see an end to this. There is hope, and the church can be at the forefront of this. Thanks for your time. I think we're going to take some questions. Yeah, no problem. I'm just going to get some water. Thanks so much, Gareth. Um, It's really a privilege to have Gareth here. Thank you for your attention, folks. This is a tremendously important issue. I'm just going to ask a couple of questions just to kick us off with Q&A while I'm doing that. You might have a question, and in a moment I'll ask you to indicate Andy will come to you with a mic, and when he does, please give us a question, not a long statement, so we can actually get a direct answer from Gareth. Now, just a couple of things to clarify, Gareth. Um, You talked about the modern slavery bill. Now, uh, our organization, Jubilee Plus, has been supporting an organization called CARE that's been working in partnership with yourselves and others. We've been championing this legislation. Could you just talk us through how things have changed already and how the politicians are sort of waking up a little bit to the issue? Could you just uh, explain that a little bit? I actually sit on the board of CARE, so we we, uh, we, we work in a lot lot together on this. Um, So, yes, so so, uh, the fact that, that, that... I mean, human trafficking has not been on the, the, the political agenda for, for, for years. Um, and uh, to her credit, again, whatever tribe you are politically, to her credit, Theresa May has really brought this to the forefront. And she has championed bringing in the modern-day slavery bill. Um, and what it does is a few things. Um, police forces haven't been uh, 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 monitored or, or assessed in terms of trafficking before. So when it gets to the end of the the year or the end of the parliament, they're assessed on what their targets are. Um, but they've never had targets for human trafficking. And so the modern-day slavery bill allows for that. But the most, one of the most exciting things is, is, is the, the, the amount of time that people get put behind bars. Um, before the, the three years and the six years that was last, last uh, year, the, the one person we had put behind bars before that was for four months. Um, now, they can get a life sentence. Um, and at some point, we need to go up the stream, right? We need to, we, we, we're, we're kind of dealing with what's happening here. We're dealing with the problem. We're dealing with the issue. But at some point, we need to go to, well, well what, what is causing this in the first place? Where is, where is the kind of the mutilation of sexuality, and how do we deal with that? But at this stage, we need to deal with the issue because there is one. And so the modern-day slavery bill allows us a whole framework in which we can see justice happen, but also see the aftercare for the, the victims uh, is, is more kind of long-term and holistic. Great. So I thought that's just worth a bit of clarification. I'd like just to address one other issue again, and then after that we'll open it up to question and answer. Many people have drawn parallels, Gareth, between the modern-day slavery issue and the historic um, slavery issue that Wilberforce brought about the abolition of. Um, And a number of interesting things occurred to me. One, having studied the previous one and made the comparisons myself, 
Um, and, and one of the interesting things which you highlighted, I'd like you to comment on this, is that the, church, the church's role very, very prominent in the abolition of slavery, but there's an interesting parallel which I'd, I'd like you to comment on. To Britons living in uh, this country in the 18th century, slavery was largely hidden because it took place in another country. And one of the amazing things about Wilberforce's campaign was the publication of information about what was really happening, which wasn't visible um, because of the geography, because most of the slaves were in the Americas or in the Caribbean. Now, you, it seems to me you're doing something similar because what stirs the public imagination is understanding something hidden. Do you think that's an interesting parallel, and does that encourage you? Yes. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think the, the geographical proximity um, you would have thought would make it more obvious, um, but it's actually not. It's just as hidden, really, as it was then. Well, it is hidden, hidden a different way, yeah. So, so now, I mean, we, we've had victims who are, are walking the high streets. You know, they're, they're, they're walking around um, living what looks like a relatively normal life, but these traffickers have broken them down to such an extent mentally that they'll go back to them. We've even had people, we had, we had a, a, a girl only a matter of months ago who we rescued. Oh, sorry, we, we, we were almost rescued. She was literally at the door, and then she wouldn't go with us because she saw the trafficker as safety. And so... We, whilst, yes, I mean, there's obviously what we're, I mean, I, I would never describe myself as a Wilberforce, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, whatever, but I'm very passionate about it, and I'm very passionate that the church can be an end to this, because actually, some of the people we've rescued have come across the church doors. They've been in the food banks, or they've been in the storehouses, or they've been uh, street pastors. Uh, they've come across victims of human trafficking. So I think if we can, if we can encourage the church and all these other agencies to uh, increase their awareness, to know what to look for, then we can see more rescues. Great. Well, let's open up two questions from the floor. If anyone's got a question, could you raise your hand clearly and Andy will come to you. Um, This lady just here. If you could give us your name and your question. Thank you very much. Susan Stead from North Yorkshire. If these people are illegal immigrants, when you expose them, won't they be deported back? Great question. Um, So uh, that's, that's the job of our legal team. So our, our legal team makes sure that they are... Get, if you're put into the National Referral Mechanism, which is the official um, database of people who have been rescued from human trafficking, then you're given certain rights that mean you're not sent back straight away. Um, you're given the 45 days aftercare, um, and uh, you're then given a choice as to whether or not you want to move back. But our legal team, there's some people who, who either don't get put into that or there's some people who are, are outside of that. And um, there's also sometimes complications with even... Shock, shock, maybe even a government process. There can sometimes be complications. So um, we, we, uh, we, our legal team makes sure that they work with the victim to protect their rights, to make sure that they're not just deported and put back into a situation where the traffickers are then going to just re-traffic them. Um, you know, some of the victims that we rescued do uh, want to stay in this country. Um, some of them uh, came over here because they were applying for what they thought was a legitimate job. Um, and then others, many of them, want to go back to their families. Um, so we just work, we work, our legal team and our aftercare team work with them to be able to find out the right and protect their rights. That's a very helpful clarification. Let's have another question. This lady here. 
Hi, Jackie from Teesside. Um, are there signs for us as a church that we can look out for to recognise um, people who are being subjected to this? And once we've recognised that there may be something going on, what do we then do about it? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to cop out a little bit on an answer to that because it's a, it's a full day training seminar that we do to, to explain the answer to what you've just said. Um, there are signs. There's different signs for sexual exploitation versus forced labor versus domestic servitude. Um, there's, there's also kind of general signs you can look for. Um, and then what you do also depends on what you've found. Um, so I, I'm trying not to be too... Uh, what I would say is on, the web, on our website, um, which is hopeforjustice.org, there is actually full sections on there about what to look for, and it does detail it on there. So it's a bit of reading, but it's, it's worth going on there. Um, and have you got the uh, training information for courses on the website so yeah. that this lady can well, access that? We, we don't. At the minute, we, the, the training events are not public events that anyone okay. can come to. But what we, what we would encourage you is, particularly if you are part of a church that has a network in your local community, for example, if you're a church that has a relationship with your police or local authorities, um, then what I'd love is for churches to be the hub where those people can come, get excellent training, and then maybe even build a relationship between those agencies uh, and the local church. So if you're interested in training, um, then, now as I say, we've gone from 700 last year to 3,500 this year, so our training team would not be, the fact I'm saying this from a stage is probably not the best thing, but it's great because we need to train people. Um, but just be aware that we need to manage expectations in terms of when we can do it. But if you send me an email, um, my email address is gareth.russell at hopeforjustice.org. Um, then if you send me an email, I can put you in touch with the right people and we can figure that out. Thank you. That's a really helpful question. Any, anyone else want to ask any questions? I see a hand over there. That lady over there. Thank you, Andy. Hi, I'm from Bolton. I wonder, could you give us a little bit of detail about the future and the hope, um, like a story um, of what happened to um, yeah. your rescue people? I can tell you one of the, and I'm gutted that I don't have the video of, I hope this is answering your question by the way, but I'm gutted I don't have the video of this. But um, I told you the story of, of, of Emma. Um, ben was preaching at a, an event very like this actually. Um, he was on the main stage and um, he was preaching I think in front of something like 10,000 people. And um, he finished his preach and then he, he got off the stage and he, he, he went and it was like a kind of outdoor thing, like a kind of Glastonbury type thing. It wasn't Glastonbury, but that kind of thing. And um, he went and sort of stood and just watched the next speaker. And the cameraman, or one of our media team, was just testing out this new camera that he had, um, that we, we got. And so he was just testing it with Ben. And as he was testing it, this girl tapped him on the, on the shoulder. And Ben turned around and... and for a start, he didn't quite recognize her. And then he said, and then he said oh, sorry, how do I know you? And she said, I'm Emma. And they gave a massive embrace. There's this beautiful video that is just totally you know, unexpected. Um, and Emma was in a church. She, 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 had, she was in, in employment. She was kind of thriving. And when we, when we see videos like that, and um, not videos. When we hear stories like that, it's it's why we do what we do. And and to see her in f- not just physical freedom but spiritual freedom was 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 incredible. 
That's great, thank you. Let me just ask you another question before we go back to the floor, something that just occurred to me. You've spoken very much in the UK context, Gareth. Um, we're all aware this is a worldwide issue and the human trafficking in other nations is often on a much higher level than we have here. But you have international dimensions too. Could you just make a couple of comments on other bases and nations and sure. areas you work in? Yeah, as of, of last year, we we merged with two other organizations because we all said our, our visions are the same, so why don't we do this together? And um, that meant that we uh, expanded into uh, Cambodia where uh, we have a, a place called the Dream House. And uh, they, they house girls who have been rescued from human trafficking. And basically what they do is when they've been rescued, when they've been through the aftercare, they say, what is your dream? What would you like to do? Do you want to be a dentist? You know, do you want to be a, a Scotland rugby player? You know, they, they say, what's your dream? And they help them achieve that dream. And it's the most amazing place. It's incredible, incredible place. So that's Cambodia. And then in America, um, uh, the, 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 the former organization was called Abolition International. They're now called Hope for Justice USA. And, and they, um, they do a lot of training like we do uh, amongst the churches and amongst frontline professionals uh, in America. Um, and then, obviously, in the UK, we do rescue. Great. Thank you so much. Okay, other questions? We've just got a few more minutes. One in the middle here. Uh, this gentleman here. Thank you, Andy, my, uh, my wonderful assistant here. He's very fit as well, I've noticed. Thank you. Andy's a member of my core team. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask, what about the restoration of the traffickers themselves? Because, yes, they do need to go to jail to face the consequences, but... Aren't they just as broken and lost as the victims themselves? They need to be shown the way of Jesus, just like the victims. Yep, absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, my, my, in terms of what Hope for Justice do, it's not part of our remit. Um, but there will be great organizations, I'm sure, who will, who will focus on that. And I agree with you. What, what we should do is pray for them and, and um, make sure that, that we're investing into their lives prayerfully. But hopefully, if the justice system works, then they might get some sort of restoration through that also. Okay, we've got time for maybe one or possibly two more, maybe one more question. This lady here, then I'm just going to wrap it up with a few concluding comments. Thank you. Have you rescued any boys? Yeah. 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 yeah we've, uh, the, the boys um, were part of, uh, tend to have been part of families um, that have been trafficked as a family um, and they're just being groomed for forced labor. Um, so um, a lot of, well, the men, the men tend to be, the men and boys tend to be trafficked for forced labor. Um, and one thing I didn't say that I should say is this is not an urban problem. This is both an urban and a rural problem. So a lot of the forced labor tends to happen, um, well, it can happen actually all over the place, but it does happen in rural areas where um, there might be a factory, like a, a marijuana factory or, or some sort of other factory. We've even had, we've even been able to find tra traffic victims in quite um, high-profile, uh, high-street shop uh, supply chains. So... Um, we, we, a lot of the boys are, are, are some of them are, are sexually exploited, but most of them are being groomed for um, forced labor. Well, there's some amazing um, answers to some very important questions. Um, you know, what I feel like now is that we need to pray for Gareth and this organization before we go. Would you agree that that would be a good way to conclude? We're going to do that in a minute, so stay right with us. Um, 
I just want to say that um, Jubilee Plus, which represents all the New Frontier streams, is under the uh, spiritual oversight of Jeremy Simpkins' team. We, we're spearheading our church's engagement with some of these issues. Um, and we value your support too. So have a look at our table, and particularly if you'd like to get the monthly email news that we send out about what we're doing, you can sign up. Um, Isla, my colleague, will be on that table. Just give us your email address, and we'll get you on the list. That would be great. But we're going to end um, with prayer. I'm going to ask Graham Anns to come on the stage in a moment and just pray. Now, Graham, in fact, could you come now, Graham, and maybe Andy could give him the mic. Graham is on Jeremy's core team. He also chairs the board of Jubilee Plus, uh, chairs our directors, and uh, helps us with the governance of our organization. And um, Graham, I just wonder whether you could pray for for uh, for our, our friends. Um, you're representing the whole organization now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not pardon. just for you. Let's should we stand. Let's be very focused on the empowerment of God, the heart of God and the miraculous provision and open doors of God for this organization and this issue in our generation. Let's engage uh, with this as Graham leads us. Father, we know that your heart is for not just the lost, but the poor and the fatherless and those who are abused, the alien, Lord, the foreigner, or those who are forgotten, those who are not thought about, not cared for, your heart is for them. Lord, and I just thank you for this morning. Lord, even though the stories are hard to listen to, Lord, we need to hear them. We need to hear them. Lord, and we need to get hold of your heart for these people. Lord, so it's not just hear a difficult story and feel for them. But actually we get a hold of the heart of God for these people. And so, Lord, we cry out to you. We say, Lord, touch our hearts. Lord, touch our churches. Lord, there are always so many things to compete for our attention and for our money. But, Lord, I say, touch our hearts. Lord, we pray for hope for justice. Lord, we pray for Gareth. And we say we, we pray your blessing on them. We pray, Lord, for success for them, Lord, because success means changed lives. Success means freedom. Success means people finding you from appalling circumstances. Lord, success means putting an end, Lord, to modern day slavery. Lord, what an amazing objective. And so, Lord, we say we pray for success for hope for justice. We pray for the end of modern day slavery in our nation and other nations. Lord, we pray for an end to trafficking. Lord, we say touch our hearts. Touch our churches. Lord, that we may be involved, Lord, as you direct us in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, amen. Amen. Yeah, do take your seats. Should we show appreciation to Gareth? Once more, thank you so much. That's been an amazing session. A couple of things to say before you go. Don't forget to look at uh, uh, Lily's stand for Zambia. 
Don't forget to talk to Gareth if you want further information. He's got to leave the site fairly quickly. Don't forget the Jubilee Plus stand over there where Isla will be and the email sign-up. And there's a Jubilee Plus presentation tonight. Keep your eyes open. We've got a big vision nationally to share with you just briefly tonight if I get time amongst all the other people. So keep your ears open. Come back tomorrow, if possible, to this zone where we've got Kate Welsh, uh, a well-known national leader of social enterprise. She's from a Methodist background, lives in the northeast of England. She's a director of Jubilee Plus, a personal friend, and very inspiring speaker about how business can be turned to social good. You don't have to be involved in business to get a huge benefit from that presentation. That's same time, same place tomorrow in this zone. Look forward to seeing you then. God bless you. We finished. See you shortly. Thanks for coming.